We're in a series on stewardship. Um, we've looked at a whole bunch of stuff. We've looked at uh, stewarding our time and our treasures and our talents. We've looked at what do we do, how do we uh, use our time at work, both in practice and the theology of that from a biblical perspective. Um, we had a look at uh, work and then rest. Um, and today we've, we've got to the body. What do we, how do we live our bodies uh, for God's glory? How do we steward um, and make the best use of our, our bodies? Um, so that's where we're going today. Uh, essentially, we want to honor God with our bodies. And uh, we're in 1 Corinthians today. That's our text uh, for the day. It's going to come up on the screen, 1 Corinthians 6. Um, I want to encourage you, actually, if you have a device or if you have a Bible, why don't you open it? I think we can get too used to just like uh, looking at the screen and uh, not actually going to the Scripture personally. And so if you have something to read it on, then why don't you pull that up uh, today? So it says this. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. And in chapter 6, um, verse 12, he says this. He says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. That's good news. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body. For it is said the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in the spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a great price. Therefore, honor God with your body. I think I better pray. Father, help us this morning to hear your word. Help us to hear you speaking to us through your word by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, help me to deliver your word helpfully and constructively and with power this morning. Lord, we want to use our bodies to glorify you. Help us to recognize and realize this morning that you are for our bodies, and our bodies are for you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So I want to talk about a number of, of P's. I want to talk firstly about the body polluted. The bell goes, ding, ding, ding. God has created the world. He's created the heavens and the earth. And as his pinnacle, as his masterpiece, he creates man and woman in the garden, perfect in their bodies and perfect in beauty. They are made, the Bible tells us, in the image of God, they are, I love this phrase, naked and unashamed. Naked and unashamed. Physical, the body is good. God created our bodies. He put our souls and our spirits inside a bodily tent. Matter matters. It matters to God and it should matter to us. Psalm 139 tells us, it's a beautiful psalm. We're going to be looking at it another time in this series. It says that you have been fearfully and wonderfully made. It's already come across, isn't it, in our prophetic this morning that, that, that he's not tiring of you. He's not weary of you and he's not weary of your body and the way that you look. God wants us to love our bodies <laughs> because they are amazing. Our bodies are incredible. You know that, don't you? You know that. Do you know that even as I started that sentence, your body has lost in the last minute 30,000 of its skin cells? <laughs> yeah, you might want to just dust off your... Like, I don't know who you sat next to, but... That is effectively a thousand skin sheds. We shed our skin a thousand times in our lifetime. <laughs> Did you know that by the end of the day, your, your nose will have produced a cup full of mucus? <laughs> I thought you'd like that one. I like that one. Do you know that? If you took all of the blood vessels out of your body and you lined them up end to end, they would go around the earth four times. I can't believe that one. I can't believe that one. I might have to check that. I need someone to verify it. It's amazing. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Thanks to Operation Ouch for my stats there. Great program. But then it all went wrong. Sin entered the world. We know the story. If you don't know the story, I'd encourage you to read it. In Genesis 3, it all went wrong. Sin entered the world. And death and decay happened. And it happened in creation. The earth is now groaning. It's dying. And it happens in our bodies. We were no longer perfect, living forever. We were imperfect with pain and suffering, with clothing instead of nakedness, and shame instead of being unashamed before God and before others. It's all downhill from that point on. Our sinful natures, our flesh, our worldly beings are outworked and they succumb without God to every worldly pleasure and passion. And we love to do that. We love 
fulfillment and pleasure through our bodies. And pain is what we've heard about this morning and, and discomfort and disability and all of that stuff, it enters in that place which we then live with as a consequence of going our way, our own way, and moving away from God. And this is the context of the Corinthian church. This is the context that we have. You see, they don't think the body matters. They don't care about the body. It's a common belief that it's just flesh and bones and we came from dust and we'll go to dust and it will just all be done. It's gonna get incinerated so we can do whatever we like with it, right? I have a visions of the Corinthians in like the Toby Carvery or whatever the equivalent of was the day. They've gone for the extra big plate. They've gone for that massive Yorkshire pudding. And they've stuffed it with as much stuff as they got. And with a few pints and a few empty beer glasses, they've said food for the stomach and stomach for the food. That's their slogan. That's how they're living their life. And the problem is, the reality of this, that we can say, yes, this happens out in the world, but we too are still living in the world. And these things still occur in our flesh in the church, in us. In Corinthians 11, we read that some of them were drunk at communion, it seems. By the way, we're gonna take communion uh, later today. So online, if you haven't got anything for, to get something that resembles bread and something that resembles uh, wine, we're gonna take that together. In chapter five, it seems like they were kind of proud of some of the sexual immorality that was happening in the church context. This was what they were living. The body is shameful, it's a prison, it's a tomb for the soul. And it has no value because it will one day be gone. And then of course there's another view on the body, especially in this Instagram world, of this sculpted, glorious body, that body perfection that everybody is striving for, and so you choose which photos you upload to just make sure they're good enough and they're, 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 you're looking beautiful enough for those around you. The body sculpted, the body is glorious and it doesn't matter how much dieting and exercise and Botox and whatever it takes to get that body how you want it is another view which many of our young people are growing up in in this age. And then there's another view, that our bodies are a spiritual temple for the Lord. I wanna talk number two about the body being pierced. And you'll know where I'm going with this one. Jesus came as a man in a body. Interesting, isn't it? The fullness of the deity, the Bible tells us, lived in a bodily form as a man. And Jesus, because of that new every temptation of the flesh, he knows what we go through. And yet, because he was perfect and sinless in himself, the one who was to help us come back to the Father and redeem all the brokenness of the fall that happened in the garden at the beginning of time, he was the one, Isaiah 52 tells us, was pierced for 
our transgressions. He came as a sacrifice by the the beating and the bruising and the, the battering and the brokenness of his body and the shedding of his blood. He came on that cross so that we could have life again, that our bodies and their, all of their brokenness could be kind of put onto his body in its ultimate brokenness as he paid the price for all of my sin and all of your sin. He did it there in that moment so that we could come back to know him and be forgiven of our sins and be redeemed and restored in our bodies and our minds and have life of the soul today and forever. That's what the cross represents. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the body that was pierced, (laughs) which purchases our polluted body. His pierced body purchases our polluted bodies for his glory. We are bought at a price, this passage tells us in verse 19, your body was bought at tremendous cost. We don't understand it. We'll never understand it. It was a huge price that Christ paid for us. And in this state, everything has changed. Our bodies are now temples of the Holy Spirit. God himself, by the Spirit, comes to dwell and live In us, your body, my body, is a temple (laughs) for God's presence. That's amazing. Those bodily facts were amazing, but they're nothing in comparison to the fact that the God of the universe is dwelling inside me right now by the power of his spirit. Our soul gets saved, our minds get renewed, and our bodies are transformed too. It's where our changed heart and our changed soul is worked out. And the Bible says that we'll be judged for what we do in our bodies on that final day. We need a vessel to harbor them and to live for him and to do good for him. Our bodies are for the Lord. And the Lord is for our bodies. So let me give you, let's get to some practical stuff. The body in practice, the body was polluted. Jesus' body was pierced so that we can be redeemed and be restored. What does that look like for us now? While we set free from sin, we are invited once again to enjoy all the pleasures that God has given us and he's created them for us for our enjoyment. God gets glory by us enjoying him and the things that he has done for us and the way that he's given them for our enjoyment. The problem is, though these things are good, they're very good, they can become God's. And I want to just hit on a few of these. Number one, God's for wine, but he's not for drunkenness. Jesus did the wine miracle. You know that? The the story where Jesus turned water into wine. God's for wine in that sense. 180 gallons of the stuff Jesus made in that moment. He saved the best stuff till last because that's the kind of party man that Jesus is. 
The Bible tells us that Jesus came eating and drinking with the sinners and the prostitutes. Paul, later in one of his letters, tells Timothy to have, take a little wine for the discomfort that would seem to be causing him some stomach pain. God's for drinking, but he's not for drunkenness. Drunkenness goes beyond God's best for our lives. And social drinking, though you might not be getting drunk, when you're having more than the recommended intake of alcohol a week, is not God's best for your life or for your body. There were 9,000 alcohol-related deaths in the UK last year. A third of males and a quarter of all females are having more than their weekly recommended amount of alcohol. I think it's about 14 units. A glass of wine, a decent-sized one, is two units. A pint is a couple of units, just in case you're wondering. It causes cirrhosis of the liver, depression, anxiety, diabetes. Alcohol is a killer to our bodies and to our society. Number two, God's for feasting, but he's not for gluttony. The Bible tells us that Israel was commanded to feast. I love that. Have a feast, Israel, my people. Eat, enjoy, indulge, have, have more. Some of the feasts in the Bible, they lasted for seven days. Can you imagine that? So God's okay with overindulging at special times, for a special occasion, with others, in community, and with great thankfulness for God. So if you find yourself overindulging on your own, regularly, without thankfulness, you've stepped outside of God's best for your life and for your body. Did you know that 64% of adults now in the UK are either obese or overweight? 25% of our kids in year six are already recognized as obese. This increases our blood pressure, it leads to heart disease, strokes, cancers, these are things that we don't want in our bodies for our health because our bodies are for the Lord and the Lord is for our bodies. I'm just going to invite Catherine, my wife, to come. She's going to come and share just a few things just on those uh, couple of aspects. I'm going to hit some more. I'm going to talk about exercise in a minute. I'm going to left the best till last and then I'll talk about sexual intimacy as well, but let's welcome Catherine. She's going to come and talk for just a few minutes. Good morning. It's good to be here with you today. 
Um, so Russ has just asked me to come and um, just bring a little kind of testimony, really, about um, my own uh, sort of journey um, with this whole kind of area of um, the body and food and drink. Um, and you know, I'm kind of keen that it doesn't become a sort of a list of rules of what you have to do and what you don't have to do, but it's just kind of where I am and my journey currently. Um, so I would say that since becoming a Christian, I've always had a heightened um, awareness to care for my body. Um, but this has probably been amplified more in the last couple of years, um, just as I'm getting older and realizing that this body is, um, yeah, here with me to stay. <laughs> um, so, um, and also, I work in OPM at Bournemouth Hospital, so I think I'm possibly a bit more heightened to the whole sort of aging process and all that that entails. Um, so yeah, I've kind of just, I've got um, two teenage boys, um, and as a, a lady in my 40s, um, I'm not able to eat the same things that they eat, um, or that I could eat in my 20s and 30s for that matter. Um, I've been keen um, that all my children develop a healthy relationship with food, um, so they haven't seen me skipping um, meals or on any fatty diets. Um, but they see me enjoying food with them around the table. Um, so I've recently been reading and learning about this whole area of food um, from a nutritionist, um, just because it interests me. Um, and I've learned better um, how to balance proteins, carbohydrates, fats, vitamins, and my water intake through the day. Um, and some of the practical things surrounding food um, that I, for myself, have put in place are um, that I would always eat, I always eat a substantial, nutritious breakfast. Um, if you skip breakfast, your blood sugar drops more during the day, um, and you are more likely to grab um, what you can or whatever you sort of see around you. Um, I always eat when I feel hungry. Um, I eat regular, varied, um, healthy snacks in between mealtimes. Um, I love cake. <laughs> I love baking cake, and I love eating cake. Um, but I've now learned to kind of bake some other um, sort of tasty snacks that are a bit like cake, but are a bit healthier, um, that I can um, take to work with me and eat in between meals. Um, I've also increased my water content, so I don't leave the house without a water bottle, and I'm drinking um, throughout the day. I think sometimes you can mistake and hunger for thirst when really it's water that your body needs. Um, I don't view any food or drinks as being off limits. Um, all food um, and drink is good, and it's for our enjoyment, um, but as Russ has just said, it's to be enjoyed in moderation. Um, I eat carbohydrate every day, um, but I've just adapted this slightly, so I, I eat a bit less, probably, than what I might cook for the family, um, and I've, um, I, it tends to be whole grain, um, sort of pasta and rice, as this is more nutritious um, and healthier. Um, I'm also, um, yeah, probably a bit more conscious of my portion sizes, um, so I'm, I'm conscious about um, I'm just sort of the speed at which I eat. So I like to eat slowly, enjoy my food, savour my food, um, but I'm also conscious of my um, portion sizes. Um, 
it's easy, isn't it, to just keep, keep on eating if something's really delicious and lovely. Um, but, um, yeah, just being more conscious of stopping when I'm full. Um, a bit of a controversial one here. Um, I don't weigh myself. Um, lots of women, I think, get hung up about um, scales and figures on scales. Um, but I, I personally don't think that that is a helpful thing. Um, partly because weight fluctuates for different reasons um, and weighing ourselves doesn't really get us anywhere. It's more about, for me, it's more about how I feel in my clothes um, and, and just how I feel in myself, really, that's um, a, an important measure. Um, I plan my meals, um, which might sound boring, um, but if you have healthy food in the house um, to put a meal together, then you're more likely to use it. Um, and I, I pre-make um, my lunches um, for work the night before, um, so I always kind of know what I'm going to eat next, <laughs> rather than just winging it and eating on the go. Um, um, for those of you that know me well, um, one of the things um, you will know about me is that I love a glass or two of wine. Um, and this is an area where I need to regularly check in on myself, um, and it's an area that could have a hold on me if I wasn't um, careful. So again, I've put boundaries in. Um, I did dry January this year, at the beginning of the year, which has helped to reset some of my associations with wine. Um, and since then, I've put some other boundaries in place, um, such as I don't drink in the week. Um, I've stopped cooking with wine, which is something I... I I enjoy to do um, because it makes sauces and casseroles um, taste richer, um, but I found other kind of spices, spices and um, ways to flavour food because um, it's easy to kind of have a bottle of wine open whilst you're cooking and have a glass <laughs> and then it's open in the fridge and all the rest of it. Um, so I don't um, open wine when I'm in the house on my own. Um, when I go out socially, I'll offer to drive or plan not to drink on occasions. Um, and then similarly with food, really, I'll plan when in the week I may allow myself a glass of wine so that it's calculated and measured and I can allow myself to enjoy it. So I'm not teetotal and I don't need to be um, because these boundaries help me to drink in moderation. So on the subject of exercise, I also um, try and move my body and incorporate exercise into my day as much as possible. So I run um, or I cycle to work. I'm also intentional about when I can fit workouts and runs in um, to my week. Um, so since putting some of these things that I've spoken about into place, um, I've stopped craving sugar. Um, I'm sleeping deeper and for longer. I have more energy and I feel stronger. I also know that I'm investing in my long-term health and physical well-being. Um, so it's, instead of it being um, kind of rules, um, these boundaries that I've put in, I've found are, they're freeing really, um, because I'm able to enjoy life and live it to the fullest. Um, because when you look after yourself, you feel good and you can then flourish in all that God has for you. I'll let Russ back up now. <laughs> Great job, Catherine. It's good to get 
down to some practicals and details. And um, yeah, as Catherine said, God loves exercise. God's for exercise over laziness. Um, 1 Timothy 4.8 says, physical training is of some value. And uh, it really is. Um, but a lot of us don't take it. I think 36% of adults in the UK don't take their kind of recommended activity levels um, to keep healthy. And uh, exercise is one of the things I love to do. And uh, the reality is that if you exercise, you'll live longer. You have more time to live in your body to bring glory to God. It helps weight, bones, muscles, joint strength, reduces some of the stuff that we talked about earlier. It also builds your brain. Did you know that? If you exercise, it means your brain will grow. Literally. There's science that, that says that. Um, a psychiatric uh, professor called John Ratey um, tells me that the brain builds new nerve cells, new synapses, and uh, it essentially optimizes your mind for learning. So if you love learning, Exercise can help you. It builds your brain, you live longer. It also jumpstarts joy. Exercise jumpstarts joy. There are natural endorphins and chemicals, dopamine that get released, that they say is the equivalent to the same kind of medication that they give for people on depression. Um, and it's, this exercise is a great antidote. And it always makes me feel better. Do you know what? I feel closest to God after I've exercised and as I push my body, I glorify God and my brain is growing. That's got to be good, hasn't it? Last one, big one really, is God's for sexual intimacy. He's not for sexual immorality. This is all over the letters. Um, God loves sex. God loves sex but inside the boundaries that he has given it for. Man and wife, man and woman in marriage. And in this way, it is a beautiful, it is a loving thing, it is a life-giving thing, it is also good exercise at times. It is amazing. Our bodies are members of Christ himself. We need to be very careful, therefore, what we do with them and who we then unite them with. In this passage, it says that when we sin sexually, it's like a heightened sin. It affects us internally. All sin is the same, yes, in the eyes of God, but there's something that happens here. Paul alludes to it, that it sins internally as you become united with another. And I want to just implore you that that, that this is for marriage. And if you're struggling sexually, whether it's um, porn or just lust, I want to really encourage you to get some help because it is ruining lives and it is ruining society as well. Um, God is for sexual intimacy. Sexual immorality leads to physical, emotional, psychological issues. God creates intimacy, the devil makes pornography. And if you're struggling in that area, I really want to just ask you to respond later, but, but get help, um, get help. Here's the key. 
Verse 12, everything is permissible for me. All of these things are good. God's created them for our benefit, for our enjoyment, and for our glory. But Paul says, I will not be mastered by any of them. Do these things have a hold on you, or are you holding them and can put them down when you want to and can use self-control that is a fruit of the Spirit to step away from? Our flesh and these habits are sometimes so hard to put to death, but Christ died a death. And in his power and by his grace, we don't need to be enslaved to these things anymore. And I know that some of you will be struggling with addiction in all sorts of areas, some of the things that we've talked about. And you constantly struggle with this. And you draw on God's grace to help you. And I'm so glad that you can. And we all need to do this in order to get through. There is a salvation grace. And Titus 2 verse 11 says, it is this grace that teaches us to say no to ungodliness and these worldly passions. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to say, this is how you can steward your body well. And God has won a victory so that you don't need to be enslaved to some of this stuff anymore. And you can enjoy them, as I endeavor to do, in moderation. And I know that, you know, please don't hear what I'm not saying. If you're struggling with long-term health issues, it's so hard to exercise. It's so hard to, to not feel sorry for yourself, as Claire was saying, but, but choose joy. Choose joy. Christ has given us that on the cross. I want to give us a chance to respond before we take break and before we take the bread and the wine together. So I'm going to ask the band to come up and uh, I'm going to ask them to play us a song. Um, it's the song, Coming to the Altar, The Father's Arms Are Open Wide. And um, I really believe God wants to start a process here in the spirit that will help you to put aside some of this stuff that you're struggling with, whether it's food, whether it's weight, whether it's alcohol, whether it's sexual stuff, whether it's the sin of lust. There is grace for you this morning. And there's a way out that you feel trapped and enslaved in your body. And Christ broke that on the cross and he can do it again in you now by the power of the Holy Spirit. So why don't we stand together? All I'm going to ask you is that there is tables for communion right and left. There's tables at the back. There's gluten-free uh, bread at the back. You just take a cup there's bread, the double cup, there's bread underneath there. But here's the important bit. Before you get to the table, which is where God, we, we, we remember his body broken for us. And all that I've said 
his pierced body for our polluted body. That we might be pulled away from slavery again and into freedom and life and love and self-control and winning out, winning out. You can win out on your sin. I've done it in my own life and I know many who have. You need God and you need each other. But together you can win out on this stuff so it doesn't have a hold on you. And it starts with repentance. It starts with coming again and saying, sorry, Lord. Just like it did when we came to him the first time and we confessed our sin and he regenerated our bodies. But our flesh can be drawn back. And today you're, you're stepping away from that. As you step out of your seat and as you kind of confess your sin as you walk, <laughs> you might need to walk around a couple of times before you get to the table. That's okay. God loves it when he comes to us and his arms are open and they're full of grace for you to be free. Amen. The band are gonna play. Please walk forward, get your bread and your wine. It's not alcoholic wine, it's just juice. And when you're ready, I'm not gonna give any instruction. When you're ready, <laughs> recommit yourself to God by taking the bread and the wine. Commit yourself to Him. Ask Him to give you strength and power to resist the temptation and to steward your body <laughs> for His glory. For your body is for the Lord and the Lord is for your body. Amen. Let's move. You know, I don't want to send you out having confessed and in a sense without a, a top-up of God, you know? The only way sometimes that you can say no to these things is because you're already full. No, I don't need any more food because I'm already full. No, I don't need any more drink. I'm already full. No, I don't need to look at that image. I'm full. What are you full of? You want to be full of the Holy Spirit, right? That's why He comes and lives in us. And yet we can push into the sides. We can leak in a sense. And He wants to come and He wants to fill us again to be able to live this life with power, with the promise that we might demonstrate to the world a different way, a Jesus way of moderation, of joy, of saying no, of standing firm and having our identity in Him and not in the pressure and peers that are around us. And so if you know you need power this morning, <laughs> I just wanna just call you to the front. I want you to run, run to the front, come to the front. I'm gonna pray for you for power to live this life, to resist those temptations that in that moment, God would give you a way out. That's his promise. Does nobody need more power this morning? I'm gonna stand and receive prayer. Church, we need to be filled. We need to be filled with His presence. 
step out from your enslavement. I know they're there, he knows they're there. We can ignore them all we like, but they won't go away <laughs> unless we're serious about the hold that they have on us and the mess that they make us because that's what sin does. And these are sins. However we wrap them up, sin doesn't need to be managed. It needs to be put to death. And by coming forward here now, you're just saying, I'm, I'm dying to this stuff. Lord Jesus, help us. We need your Holy Spirit, Lord. I'm so grateful that you don't call us to live this life powerless or in our own strength. It's your grace that abounds. When there's sin, there's more grace for us to draw on you. Lord, help us to go there. God, free us from the enslavements, from the attachments, from the bondage of sin that still dwells in our earthly flesh. We don't want it, God, in our lives. And so Holy Spirit, we say, in the room and at home, wherever you're receiving him, come and fill us afresh. Fill us with power from on high. Lord, fill us again. We don't wanna get drunk on wine, we wanna be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit that brings life and love and joy and strength and power and self-control. Jesus, we love you for what you did for us. Now help us to live like you, that we would truly glorify you in our bodies and we steward them all for you. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. If you're just receiving, just keep receiving. You don't have to rush off anywhere. But you might do in a minute if you've got children. But for a moment, receive from the King. As he pours out his love on you. Just the word, uh, just God's come to me, is, it should have been in the messages. You don't love yourself. You hate your body, actually. You wish you had another body. <laughs> you compare yourself all the time to other bodies. And Jesus is here to say, I love your body. And I don't want you any longer to compare your body to anyone else because I gave you that body. And I'm gonna help you to learn to love your body. And if that's you in this place, I just encourage you to speak to someone. You say, you know that thing that Russ said about loving my body, that's where I'm at. Oh, I just wanna bring this out into the light. Some of you struggling with porn, you need to bring this out into the light. 
You need to tell someone else about it because that's how these things get broken. And if you've got no one, I tell you, some of the worst things are when we just leave church and you go and you feel like you've done business with God and you've got no one to stand with you as you fight this battle of the flesh. If you've got no one, then email Russ at citygate.church. Tell me you need help in this area and I will make sure that someone stands with you as you've confessed today and you wanna say the end of that for me. And I'll do all that I can and the team that we have here to help you in any of those areas. Small groups and DNA groups, they're also fantastic for this. Let's be the church. Let's help one another. Because he loves us and he's for us and he's doing a great work in you.